We've all been there. Out with a couple of friends at happy hour, and it's time to close out the tab. Should you see if the bar can split the bill three ways? Is it rude to ask the waitress to charge three different amounts to three credit cards that are all the same shade of blue? Enter P2P payment apps to the rescue. Apps like Zelle and Venmo let us instantly pay back whoever picks up the tab without scrounging for exact change and without involving the waitstaff in our awkward haggling. I can send you a payment, Aaron, by your phone number or email address, and I have that in my phone. It's three to four clicks, and the money's in your account. When you're Please doing... do. I could use some extra cash <laughs> right now. <laughs> I got a couple bucks coming your way later today. That's Norm Maracini, Senior Vice President of Group Executive Retail Digital Payments at FIS. And don't worry, he didn't bribe me for this interview. Norm says that making it easier to split the bill is only the tip of the iceberg when it comes to person-to-person payments. He says P2P is not only changing how we move money, it's radically transforming banking itself. And that leaves only one option for banks that want to survive in the digital future. Buy, buy, buy. If I was on Kramer's Mad Money, it's a, it's a, it's a hot ticket. You got to buy it. You've got to get into P2P. This is Financial Futures, the podcast that charts the frontiers of fintech innovation, where we explore the trends that are already transforming financial institutions and the technologies we'll need to prosper in a brave new payment landscape. I'm your host, Erin Dangler, and today on the show, FIS's Norm Maracini joins us to take a closer look at the P2P payment revolution. We'll talk about Zelle's success introducing P2P to the masses. And we'll learn how P2P could give way to other alphanumeric acronyms like B2C and B2B, and what that means for banks as we know them. Will the rise of P2P cause brick-and-mortar branches to vanish? Just like other digital payments, P2P has been steadily growing for years. But when the COVID pandemic hit, Norm says it really took off. It's sometimes some months doubled, some some months tripled. I mean, it's changed dramatically. And if you think about where the world has gone, I mean, contactless and touchless pickup or payment of any kind is on the rise. I never thought in my wildest dreams I'd pull up to a restaurant, have paid on an app, don't have to hand them cash, don't have to walk into a restaurant and they walk my food out to the car for me, right? It's a different world that we live in. And the opportunity that we're seeing is, you know, we're seeing 40% of consumers going to online shopping. And when you're doing online shopping, that payment is instant. I, I, I have my, my wallet or I have my card saved or I'm going to check out at Amazon and I already have my pre-information pre-filled. People are expecting that same type of, same type of uh, payment meth- modality when it comes to P2P. That contactless and touchless payment is not only happening from the P2P world, it's expanding into merchant world. It's expanding into, I walked into a Walgreens last night to pick up a prescription. I pulled out my card. Typically, I'd slide it in the machine. I'm like, oh, they have touchless payment. I touched the payment and didn't, I didn't touch anything. Right? I didn't have to hit enter. I didn't have to hit debit. I didn't have to hit credit. It just went through. They handed me a receipt. I walked out. As I'm walking to my truck, I then have that opportunity to do the exact same thing when I'm paying you. I pick up my phone, I touch my own phone, I send you money, and you get it in real time. Great. Just had a couple extra zeros, and we'll be all good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so something I read about uh, how COVID has affected P2P use is that it was like throwing lighter fluid on a fire that was already burning. I mean, we were already seeing this trend moving, and you said you've seen it double, tripled? 100%. When you're looking at 
customers, our financial institution clients and credit union clients signing up for it has gone up. The users have gone up. The amount of payments have gone up and the amount of money being sent has gone up. So not just the monetary amount, but what they're using it for. The the transactions have tripled and what they're using it for has expanded, right? There's some use cases that we see. We review our memo fields that we have in there and people are actually paying each other for groceries because I couldn't go to the store or I'm helping out my neighbor that might be in that uh, one of the classes that could get COVID and pass from it. They're helping out other people in different ways and those people are moving money. So to your earlier point, is it the younger generation? We're seeing a spike in all generations using P2P at this point because again, it's going back to, I'm not leaving my house or I'm only going to specific places and I'm using contactless or touchless payment. I want to be able to do the same thing in the P2P world. So let's talk about Zelle. You've mentioned Zelle uh, several times. Can you just give us a quick introduction into Zelle and how it works? Sure. Uh, so we're a partner uh, with Zelle. We actually are a sub-reseller for Zelle or reseller for Zelle, I should say. Zelle is the P2P world that provides uh, the technology. We provide the infrastructure. Um, we then sell that out to our financial institutions. If you think of what Zelle does, Zelle really has three options where I can send you money. So me to you payment, uh, or I could request money from you. So I would send a request and say, hey, Aaron, you owe me $20 for, for the groceries the other day. And you could push that back to me or a split payment. So where I would split it between three people, myself, Dan and Aaron, we all went out and uh, Norm got the bill and you guys owe me $10 each and I could send a split request out for you. Or I could split it out to you and say, hey, thanks for the gift. You know, you bought mom and dad uh, a $50 gift card. We're all kids. We're all uh, brothers and sisters, excuse me. And I could split that payment and send it out to you. So it's, it's multiple ways to send money in real time. And it, it all does move in real time. Norm says one thing that sets Zelle apart from other P2P providers is its close relationship with several major banks. These so-called founding fathers started the service to compete with fintech startups that were disrupting the industry. If you think about what they're, they're trying to do, the founding fathers built EWS, uh, then they brought in um, Zelle. Um, at one of their uh, older products was um, Clear Exchange. Uh, they had a Clear Exchange P2P product that they've revamped and prodded into Zelle and have worked with fintech partners like FIS to bring that out to the marketplace. And that was their answer to, say, something like Venmo. I, yeah, I, I do believe it is. I mean, if you if you take a look, Venmo really did a nice job at moving money. Um, Venmo is a, a great company. Um, they, they have good options. They don't have anything that moves in real time like Zelle does, though. And who can use Zelle? Uh, anyone that has a U.S. bank account. Okay, well, I have a U.S. bank account, and my bank does not support Zelle. So I maybe need to go in there and talk to them. I've tried to use it several times because it has the security that I want. It does. I mean, Venmo is great, but I don't always trust it. It doesn't come in real time. I have to wait for the money. If Zelle is tied to your bank, so there's implied security. It is. And if you if you think about your bank not being able to use Zelle, you actually can go out to an app store and download the common mobile app, and you can send back to people that are, quote, in the network. So if I'm in the network, I learned and something in new. Common mobile app, yeah. So you can actually download the Common Mobile app because your bank's not a participating institution. Uh, you then just would upload your uh, debit card information, and you could push back to somebody that is in the network. So you could actually send me money today. Okay, I'll get right on that. <laughs> uh, why has Zelle emerged as a market leader for P2P payments? 
I, I think the what Dell has done extremely well is they've partnered with large fintech companies like FIS, but they've done a great marketing job. I mean, if you think about the marketing that Zell has done, um, I, for for your average consumer to learn about a product, it's going to be through marketing, whether it's social media, whether it's in branch marketing or online marketing. They've spent quite a bit of marketing dollars, and they've done a very nice job at marketing to different segments of the population that really drive and, and really move growth of a product. I think when you look at how Zelle has done that, they haven't just marketed to the Gen Xers or the uh, the Gen Y, right? They've gone all the way up from the iGen to the baby boomers, and they've had commercials that fit those spaces very well. And then you're walking into your branch, uh, your local banking center or your credit union, and you're seeing the posters and you're seeing the, the giveaways and the handouts that you're watching TV and you're seeing commercial last year at the Super Bowl. I mean, they've done a phenomenal job at marketing this. And I think the the way that it's been marketed and how they how they were able to do the demographic marketing has really driven the use of the product. And how has, well, you've already talked about covid ramping up P2P payments. Have you seen more people adopt Zelle during COVID? We have actually. Right? We're bringing institutions on uh, on a weekly basis as FIS. And with that, we obviously major adoption once their institutions go live. But even the institutions that have been up and running on Zelle for the past two to three years, we've seen increased adoption, increased dollar amount per payment, and increased transaction volume. It, it, it's It's been a funny, I don't want to say hockey stick, right? But it's been very close to ramping up to a hockey stick. I mean, we're, we're seeing millions of payments going through a service. Banks that haven't joined Zelle, are they missing out? Yes. Plain, simple answer. Absolutely, they are. The opportunity is... Um, is different because it's a cost to the institution. But if you, if an institution can look at it and say, I'm bringing to my customers what they're asking me for, or they're going to find another institution to go to and they will leave, the opportunity to have Zelle is keeping your customer, keeping your customer engaged and keeping your customer happy, which leads to you being able to market and advertise to your customer because they're coming back to your glass to use a product. You know, I look at the industry and I say, you either have table stakes or a must-have or a nice-to-have follow-up. This is beyond table stakes. Like You have to have this. You have to be in the place where Zelle is something prominent because people are using it and people are requesting it. Are there others of its kind, other brands that are stepping up that are doing the same thing? Not to the not to what Zelle has done. There are other brands in the marketplace. Uh, there are other P two P services that FIS offers, but it, it's not to the level of what Zelle is today. Um, there are quite a few fintech companies that offer a P two P service, but they're not doing what Zelle does. I, I mean, Zelle has cornered the market, right? If you think about their ability to move money in real time, who they've partnered with in the industry, the banks that they have up and running, the number of DDAs or you know checking accounts that they cover, the number of people using the service, and the marketing that goes with that, they've, they've done a great job at cornering the market on it. Yeah, I think I read somewhere that, I mean, these are the seven founding fathers, right? The seven founding financial institutions, and that they reach over a third of small businesses in the United States. That may even be a low statistic. Yeah, the, what I heard that they have you know, 65 to 75% coverage of checking accounts in the United States, which is 
amazing to me, right? And and we're looking at bringing on the the main street banks, the mid tier to super regionals, and we have quite a few of the large, what, what I call trillionaires on on our books as well. So we have done a phenomenal job at FIS putting that mix of of bringing banks that need to make the network grow, uh, and that we we continue to grow out that piece. And this is this may date me a little bit, but um, do they have a social component? I find that weird with Venmo that you can kind of scroll through and you know you can go down a dark rabbit hole and see what people are either buying or selling or pretending to buy and sell <laughs> on on their P two P apps. They do. I think it's very weird if you have a few hours and and you're bored one night. Look at what Venmo and social what social posts are. It's amazing what people will put online and what they purchased and what you're paying for on Venmo. Uh, Zelle does not right now. Well, I guess I won't be sending wine glass emojis to my friends when I finally get on Zelle. But Zelle's had a different secret to its success. Norm says its collaboration with banks and fintech partners has been key. When you look at it, you have a you have a client base, right? I have the opportunity to partner with not only EWS and Zelle, but I can then bring that partnership of the institution to the table as well. And you have you have a consolidated client base that you can add or you can market to, and I can add the Zelle app to my mobile app, right? Banks already have mobile apps. The mobile apps have huge adoption for institutions, and it's imperative for for Zelle to push into a marketplace that has that adoption already. So I'm taking the mobile user that's a, a, a very engaged user at institution. I'm adding another feature functionality called Zelle, and I'm going to market the hell out of it, right? And they're going to use it. When you look at why that's important and you have the ability for a fintech like FIS to sit in the middle to make that connection, we do all of the money movement. We do all of the fraud management. We do all of the data collection. We do all of the settlement. It's it's just that easy connection for an institution. Can an institution go direct to Zelle and purchase? Absolutely they can. But then they have to do everything that I just mentioned. And a bank then has to keep up with all of the network rule requirements. And we do that for our clients, right? The the ability for us to be that partner in the middle for any size institution saves them hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars annually, and, and keeps them current with what Zelle rule requirements are. So you don't really have to reinvent the wheel. You can kind of jump onto that infrastructure that's already there. Yeah, if, if you think about it, right? I'm not going to I'm not going to try to bring out a new mobile app and market to clients already. I'm going to the clients that are at those institutions that are engaged digitally, and I'm adding that new feature functionality to move money in real time. And what do banks have to gain from collaborating with them? Uh, banks have the ability to keep their customers and keep their customers happy, right? I mean, if I was on what, what we have is called our product advisory board meeting yesterday, I had 40 of my top banks and we we chat and meet and they brought up it, it, my customers stay, right? I have customers, I have branch managers. There was a couple uh, SVPs that said they would go into their branches and their managers would yell at them, why don't you have Zelle yet? Uh, we're losing customers. It's really keeping their customers engaged at the institutions or credit unions and keeping them happy. The ability to add a simple feature because they've done such a great job at marketing and it moves money in real time and and it's a very simple user experience and very elegant user experience that people want it. And if they don't have it at their institution, they will move to find it somewhere else. And for that institution, I can keep my customer, I can keep my customer engaged, and then I can talk about my special loan rates, I can talk about my credit card rates, I can talk about my savings rates, right? It's that opportunity to market more to my clients. 
And it seems like it would be an easy thing to add. Like I already mentioned that my bank, I go to a small regional bank. I've done business with them for years. I have everything tied there. I, now I can use this app you mentioned, but it would be so much easier if they just had Zelle. That's right. And it's a pain for me to move. It's like changing your phone provider. You know, you don't want to change all your contacts, all your, it's a, it's a big effort. So I think it would be easier on the part of the banks just to add it, Right. Agree 100%. I mean, thank you for the commercial. We appreciate oh, sure. that. It, 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 it really is much easier for an institution just to add the feature, right? I mean, it's we we have made it at FIS very simple for the institutions to be able to get Zelle and use Zelle and keep their customers happy and engaged, right? That's the purpose of what a fintech provider does. So why wouldn't a bank want to take Zelle? I mean, if it's, if it's such a, an easy thing to do, and it's going to help your customers, it's going to keep your customers, it's going to bring more business to them. Why not Why not put it on? I think the bank needs to understand what their digital roadmap is, right? Where they want to be, what they want to do. And if this isn't part of their digital roadmap, and they have other feature functionality that, that allows you to move money. I mean, there are other products out in the world that do P2P. We at FIS have our product called PeoplePay. It's a real-time money movement product. It does not have the, the the swagger of Zelle, but it does the exact same thing that Zelle does, except split and request. I don't have that feature within our product set. It does work for institutions, right? That service is a P2P service. They might service a different type of demographic, uh, and Zelle might not be on their roadmap. But when I look at what happens in the future and how, fortunately and unfortunately, COVID has changed our environment – People are going to want to have the contactless and the the ability for a real-time payment, and I don't want to have to, to meet you, right? Again, it's an introvert's dream. <laughs> exactly. And does Zelle cost any money to use? It does not. It's actually free for the user. So if I send you money or you request money for me or vice versa, it's free for me. I'm just wondering if there's potential to charge a fee for it, if this could be a moneymaker for banks in the future. It is not. It is not allowed by the Zelle network. So that's one of the network rules that this cannot be charged to an end user. Interesting. How did that come about? I couldn't tell you. It was one of the network rules when we signed up for Zelle that the founding father put into place. I think they're looking at this as that opportunity to keep customers, keep customers engaged digitally uh, and have data information on those clients, right? How does Norm move money? And what can I do to offer Norm something different at my institution that another institution might not have? And I don't want to lose Norm's eyes from coming back to my glass, whether it's on my desktop or my mobile. It's an advertising cost right at that point. And we want to make sure we have the ability to drive more opportunity for Norm. A digitally engaged customer does bring more money to an institution. So let's move to the future. Let's look in your crystal ball. What issues will P2P face in the near future? I, I think as we look in, in the expansion that we're doing, we've got to get out of just P2P and move that into the small business and commercial realm. Right? I, as a P2P user, could own a small business or work in a, in a, in a commercial entity that needs to have real-time money movement. And I need it to be as stupid simple as a few clicks on my phone. And we've got to get that growth and that mindset, right? I look at it and say P2P is always that first stop. And then as I grow into small business or even into commercial, so B2C, which business to consumer or B2B business to business, I should be able to do everything as fast as I do in the P2P world. And that's where I think the growth in P2P will eventually move into B2C and B2B. 
And what about privacy and security issues with all of what you just mentioned? I think there's enough in the industry on the fraud network uh, and how we protect our clients' data that I don't I don't find that as a, a large concern. Can a fraudster get in and get some information? Absolutely. But nine times out of 10, what we're seeing, what these fraudsters are now doing is spoofing a call center and saying, hey, Aaron, I, you know, I'm, at, I'm calling from your bank. Could you please provide the PIN number for Zelle? Don't ever do that. Don't ever fall for it. A bank is never going to ask you for your PIN number, right? So there, the data, I'm sorry, the fraud that it's, the tools that we have surrounding our Zelle product are, are best in industry. And we've seen a tremendous, tremendous drop in the attempted fraud, our false positives, and even the completed fraud. I mean, to where it's unbelievable how well the fraud team has done for us. I think as we can continue to drive not only different fraud opportunities, but then bring biometrics into it, it's going to be as safe and secure as, as anything, right? Do you think it's more safe and secure because it's tied to your financial institution rather than a third party? I, I do actually. I mean, right, I'm I'm getting vetted by my fan, financial institution before I can open an account and before I can move money. That payment is getting vetted by us before it's moved out. So we have multiple layers of defense that happen before a client can move money. But I also think, as I mentioned, biometric, that has to be that next step for the ultimate protection. And how is P2P adoption going to affect different types of financial institutions over the next, say, decade? I think as we look in, if P2P expands and continues to grow into the B2B, B2C world, possibly getting into the bill pay world, I think if an institution doesn't have it, that institution is going to have to rethink their digital strategy. If I can do everything simple and easy on my phone and my bank doesn't have it, why do I stay at my bank? And I think as we continue to push down three to five years, five to seven, and then that seven to 10 year time frame, you're going to see more and more happen on that phone. Um, in the B2B world, right, I could take a picture of an invoice as long as I can import that as a PDF and I can attach that to a B2B payment and request money from you. I don't even need to put it in the mail anymore. I don't need to send an email to you. I don't need to sit at a PC to do that. I could be in my work van, took a picture of my invoice, send a P2P invoice, or sorry, B2B invoice to you for business to business payment, and I could get money in real time sent back to me because you click a button. I think as we do that and as we expand the P2P use cases and P2B and B2C and B2B, I think that that's where an institution needs to be. And they've got to have that future thinking vision to make sure that when it comes to making it just as stupid, simple as possible, the ability to do it on your phone and to do it with fintech providers is where where your average bank and your you know super regional, regional banks in your main street banks really need to be because you know that that's where we as FIS can come in and help, right? Keeping them relevant at our speed is is much easier for us to do and allows us to continue to improve products and enhance products on a in a monthly uh, monthly quarterly basis. Well, as you're speaking it makes me think about uh the newspaper industry and journalists that were doing away with actual papers and everything's moving online. Do we see the possible future of only online banking, no more brick and mortar buildings? Could we see that? I, sure. I mean, as you look at, you have major retailers that are closing their doors because they are not relevant or they aren't staying digitally relevant. Um, and they're going to online stores, right? I mean, I don't need to have do I need to walk into the gap to try on a sweatshirt when I can get 
you know, a large and an extra large ship to me, try on which one I like and ship it back for free. I don't have to waste my time walking into a store and we, you know, we buy clothes for my son all the time through the gap and it's very convenient. And I, I haven't set a foot in a gap in probably five years, right? I couldn't even tell you where there is a gap located. I think that eventually could be a play in the bank space, right? You're seeing banks go from their large banking centers down to these smaller, coffee-esque shops, right, where they can walk in and it's, you know, I'm standing there opening an account with you like we would stand at a coffee bar where I'm getting your drink and I can do all the transactions for you at my station instead of having to come in, sit at a desk, open a checking account up, walk up to the teller line, make a transaction and then leave. I can do all of that, right? Banks are consolidating and making smaller institutions. So eventually, I do think that could be a possibility. Should banks be at all worried about the rise of P2P payment solutions? No, I think they should embrace it. I think as they embrace it and as they bring in more more digital users, uh, to your earlier question, could I then start consolidating and closing branches? Absolutely. The more that I can do on my phone or my laptop, the less that I have to walk into a banking center uh, or a credit union to do that, the more beneficial that is for, for the overall financial institution, right? Keeping a brick and mortar open is very expensive. Um, it's, not, it's not something that's cheap. Keeping cash on hand in your vault to make sure, you know, when Norm comes in to cash his $1,000 check, he's got the $1,000 to walk out with. That's not cheap. The more that we could do online and make, quote, digital currency be a relevant thing, whether, you know, in USD, obviously, I'm not talking about any cryptocurrency, but keeping that USD relevant and, and making it all digital, what do I need to walk into a branch for? COVID has also proven that. We don't need our office buildings nearly as much as we thought we did. We can all work from home. <laughs> yeah, agreed. I mean, you're talking to a former banker, right? I was the guy in the branch. I ran a branch network. I know what it is to run branches and it's, they're getting, I don't want to say they're, they're slowing down. The, the foot traffic is definitely slowing down, obviously with COVID. And I think people are, we're going to reevaluate what do I actually need to keep open. And you went to work every day with a suit and tie and right now you're in a sweatshirt, right? I, I did. I had a suit and tie and cufflinks on every day. My wife used to yell at me because I'd buy cufflinks all the time. Cufflinks. Really? That's Yeah. That's I went like old school. Always from the 50s, school. right? That's like That's a right. blowback. <laughs> that is. But if you, if you think about the P2P world, I mean, really, that is that is you're, you're seeing customers engage in moving, quote, digital money to you, to me, to whoever. That next step will then be to a business. That business could request a payment or that business could make a business to business payment. I mean, that is going to be the next logical and relevant steps, I believe, in this world. Norm Maracini is Senior Vice President of Group Executive Retail Digital Payments at FIS. That's it for today's episode of Financial Futures. We'll be back in your feed in just a couple of weeks to talk about overlooked opportunities in commercial credit cards. See you then.